Okay, so in this Daily Cyber, we're going to be talking to Dominic. He's a cybersecurity expert in the field for quite some time. Uh, we're going to be talking about COVID-19, uh, what companies are dealing with right now when it comes to uh, brand reputation, protecting themselves uh, from breaches, breach response, uh, what are the focus really is on the industry, and so much more. So this is going to be a really interesting uh, episode, uh, especially if you own a business and you're looking at how, you know how to protect it. So grab a coffee, grab a tea, and let's hack at it. I'd like to thank our sponsor for this episode, USADO. USADO is a Canadian-based cybersecurity company that provides 24-7 cybersecurity support and compliance services that align their customers' tolerance for risk, their clients, suppliers, and government contractual mandates. USADO's teams focus on using insights to drive business decisions. There's no need to leave strategies to chance when insights can be used to show what changes need to be made and how to make them. USADO offers multiple services to help companies simplify IT, centralize cybersecurity management, and meet compliance standards. USADO can customize their service to work with your existing IT network and programs. For more information, contact USADO at info at uzado.com or visit their website at www.uzado.com. Okay, so on a personal note, I actually talked to the president of USADO and just to kind of figure out what was going on through the COVID-19 pandemic and what their, what his thoughts were. And right now, Usado is offering cybersecurity consultations pro bono to help companies right across North America protect their network to secure everything, just answer any questions they may have, you know, look at phishing security awareness programs, breach readiness, uh, breach response, remote user uh, assessments, policies, procedures around remote access and user agreements, vulnerability scanning, remediation and threat risk analysis, just really kind of talking about what's going on. And the reason why they're doing this and why Sean is, is leading this charge is because he understands how hard it is for, for business right now, you know, closing down, laying off staff, the economy. He just wants to help and he wants to make sure that everyone that is Running a business right now is as secure as possible because the level of attacks in cybersecurity right now are increasing. I just read an article right now uh, today that was actually 66.7% increase in phishing attacks. So hackers are going nuts right now just because it's pandemic and he wants to make sure companies are staying safe and staying secure. So you have any questions, you need any help, or you just want to you know, bounce some ideas off, follow up with, with John and use Otto's team. Uh, their email address is info at usado.com and their website is www.usado.com. Hey, Dominic, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic, Brandon. How the heck are you doing? <laughs> the, the week has actually been very busy. I'm, I've been out hunting, kind of talking to different people and just hearing kind of the challenges, what, what's going on in the industry through this COVID-19 pandemic. What about yourself? Uh, it, it, very similar, you know, it, it, it's definitely um, business development is very different than it was uh, pre, <laughs> pre-COVID uh, uh, situation. So, you know, it's very much about um, relationship management right now and uh, doubling down on the relation, existing relationships with our existing clients, but just having open dialogue with, with other organizations as well. Just saying, what, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to take your money, but let's just have open dialogue so you as an organization understands sort of the current risk landscape as it looks during the COVID situation. Oh, exactly. Now let's kind of first go, uh, since 
maybe my audience doesn't know kind of your expertise. What area of cybersecurity do you focus on? So the uh, um, I like to you know just really dumb it down. You know, we just we primarily focus on small and mid-sized organizations. Uh, so uh, I categorize that as companies as small as maybe half a dozen employees. So many of them are even just startups. Uh, all the way up to maybe about a thousand employees or so. Okay. Uh, that's the area that we focus on, primarily, like I said, the small and mid-sized business uh, uh, arena and pretty much every industry sector. So if you're of a small or mid-sized uh, business, if you own one, if you're a CEO, COO, uh, someone in charge of operations for a small and mid-sized organization, that's who we tend to engage with. Okay. And then what's on the cybersecurity side? Are you guys pen testers? Are you guys, you know, compliance and ordinance? Like where do you kind of uh, service your clients and what areas? Absolutely. Uh, the, the marketing term for, for many people in the, in the arena right now or the profession is, is VC. So so virtual chief information security officer. Okay. Um, I, I, I even, I even throw that acronym out. I like to say that we are cyber risk leadership. Uh, so we're basically filling that void because the vast majority of small and mid-sized organizations, yeah, they'll have someone who knows how to be a CEO. <laughs> they'll have someone who knows how to deal with finance or operations. They'll have people who know how to deal with some components of risk, but they struggle when it comes to cyber risk. And often they don't know how to engage with their IT team or their IT managed service provider. So we are like that conduit. We make sure from what you should have oversight and provide guidance on that we take that off your plate and we're the ones who engage with your technical teams to make sure that things from a cyber risk perspective, from a people process and technology level are taken care of. Now, this is kind of a good question. Like, so that size of companies, they can't really afford really to have a true cybersecurity team in place, right? That's why you come yeah. in as a virtual CISO to kind of give exactly. them that expertise at a more efficient you know, a cost for them because again, when you look at all the technologies and all the solutions, it can add up. And then to have pay one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand dollars to actually have a CISO in the in the organization, it's so expensive. So to have a consultant or managed service kind of uh, solution like yourself, where you're coming in as a need uh, on need basis or contractual, whatever you guys organize, it's a lot more effective for them to be able to organize that. And what would what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. And, and that's really sort of the, um, from an economics perspective, that's how we pitch it. You know, uh, you know, uh, every organization needs someone who truly understands cyber risk, but not every organization can afford that, right. <laughs> nor, nor should they necessarily uh, have that person full, full time. That's where, you know, services like ours and sort of our, our, we have a retainer model where that makes sense, where for a fraction of the cost, Compared to you know, if you had to drop sort of an equivalent of me or one of our 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 VCSOs in, into your um, into your company, that would be that would cost a heck of a lot more. You know, on, on average, that's that's well into the six figures. You know, uh, um, and, and so you're able to tap into not just the expertise of one, but into a group of cybersecurity leaders. Uh, so you're getting greater value there, and as well as you're able, that person's able to hit the ground running. Right. You know, they're able to operate sort of outside of some of the uh, political boundaries <laughs> uh, with, with, within the company. You, you, know, you don't have to pay them benefits and, uh, or give them vacation or any of that stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of great benefits from taking someone from a fractional or virtual perspective and tapping into that, uh, um, sort of tapping into that expertise. Right. And I mean, like you said, the benefits on not just the economics, but also the, the depth of the bench and the, the, the knowledge, because like you said, you pull from your colleagues as well, right? 
a lot of times if you're exactly. a, a VSO, like you're trying to work with your team and do all that, and then you're doing everything in, internally. Of course, they're doing the research and doing all that, but you have other people on your team that you can pull from that might be experts in certain industries, right? It might be mining or finance or whatever that may be that you can pull from. Exactly. You know, and again, that that is again part of that that benefit, shall we say, in in which you're not just getting the experience of one person. You're able to get the uh, tap into the uh, uh, different experiences of multiple uh, uh, security leaders. So, it, it just from like I said, from a uh, cost benefit perspective, uh, and we like to say that that that, that that's where the value is, uh, and being able to make sure that for any small as organization, that you know you don't have to sort of provide sort of the care and feeding, uh, it just like if you had to do with someone internally, right, you're basically hiring someone to be a trusted advisor. At the end of the day, that's what we like to say, is that uh, we take it just a step further in which we are your trusted advisor. Uh, I mean, primarily on cybersecurity, but because we take a relational approach and because we focus on strategic partnerships, we are able to see those other opportunities. So uh, it's fine. We actually had a, a client uh, you know, just before the COVID situation hit where they were talking to us about bottled water suppliers. Right. They weren't happy with their current bottled water supplier. They said, dog, who do you, do you know anyone who's a good bottled water? You know, uh, uh, so, you know, really interesting to be able to tap into that um, you know, from, a, from a trusted advisor perspective. And um, that's really, again, what you're paying for at a fraction of the cost if you had just someone sitting within the company you know, you're able to tap into that network as well right and, and and that's a great point like you get you've got that expertise right across the board now let me ask you because before the COVID-19 we'll go into that topic what were you seeing you know start of the, this year 2020 what were you kind of seeing some of the trends that were happening in cybersecurity? yeah well you know Pre-COVID, you know, the um, one of the, um, especially with the small mid-sized businesses, what I was seeing, there were sort of two main trends. One was that you know, we're just seeing more and more small mid-sized businesses um, uh, experiencing significant security incidents. So okay. that could be ransomware, that could be, um, you know, like uh, wire transfer uh, fraud, you know, business email compromise, uh, that could be a data breach or privacy breach. That was becoming more and more common. Uh, and as such, we were getting organizations reaching out to us saying, this happened. It was hell. How do we make sure that doesn't happen again? Uh, so that was that was that was a very interesting trend. Um, another trend uh, was around broader uh, supply chain risk management or vendor risk management, okay. uh, in which mo most of our clients are B two B companies, so business to business uh, organizations. And um, what's what we're seeing is the larger companies, the enterprise organizations, really starting to clamp down on vendor risk management to the point now where they're not just sending basic security questionnaires to get filled out. They're actually checking that what you're saying is true. They're actually asking for validation. They're asking for third-party uh, verification or validation. They're asking for proof that you have a cybersecurity program in place. And um, sort of an example I'll, I'll share is that we actually had a prospect reach out to us saying, hey, you know what, We uh, one of our, our our biggest customers, you know, they're 60% of our revenue. Right. Um, they're asking for proof of a cybersecurity program. They're asking for proof of third-party validation. We've been telling them for the past five years that we have been doing that, but actually we don't. Right. We're just lying. And I was like, and uh, they're like, you know, we can't afford to lose this. <laughs> no, this is this is a big part of our revenue. Uh, and I think we're, we're, that's a very interesting trend as well. That that broader vendor risk management piece is evolving and maturing, where it's going beyond just the basic sp spreadsheet questions. 
it's now becoming much more actionable and, and much more um, tangible in, in, in depth. So uh, small and sized businesses uh, uh, increasingly need to take that more seriously, not just lie <laughs> or right. extend the truth right. on those applications. Well, just I think the point and anyone that's listening that owns a business that's gone through insurance or compliance or you know just the evaluation from another partner, sometimes they just get this document, whatever that may be. And it's a checkbox, you know, just check, 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 check. And then, yeah, Bob's your uncle. They send it back and we're good. Now, like you said, and I agree with you is that now you're saying, okay, now show us, show us the certification, show us your vulnerability assessment, show us kind of like that you've got validation of your logs and everything's been done. Uh, because if not, this checkbox thing is not going to work. And I, I have a story where, uh, I know with insurance companies, People are going and they're getting cybersecurity insurance thinking, okay, I'm covered. But then when an incident happens and then an auditor comes in and goes, your patch management mm -hmm. hasn't been done for a year, your firewall's out of date, you know, your, your virus definition's out of date, sorry, your claim is denied, yeah. right? And then they're going, oh my God, like we have to pay ransomware, we have to do all the you know, remediation of the systems, what do we do, what do we do, right? So- that's that's very true, Brandon. You know, and, and that's a great example about cyber insurance. You know, uh, as well, in which it, you, yeah, you may, if you want to lie on it or extend the truth, yeah. But you're, again, you're taking a risk there because if you suddenly need it, it's likely going to be void. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then you're paying all this money, thinking, okay, I've, I'm covered. You know, transference yep. of you know your reliability. That okay, they have it. I can breathe. I'm good. And then when the time comes, there's an incident. All of a sudden, now you're not, and you're kind of left on your own. That's a false sense of security, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then it's something that a lot of the the higher management don't expect. They expect exactly. we're covered. We've got it. We're paying you know x amount of dollars for insurance. The CFO is writing the checks and kind of you know it's everything's good. But then when the incident happens, now they're going. Oh my God! Like, why didn't anyone check? Why Why didn't we do these things? Well, it cost too much. It was this much money. We thought it was more cost effective to do it this way, and then also now they get caught. So something you're saying, and something that now the the company that I work with, Usado, same thing is they're talk. We're talking about more and more is you know manage government risk uh, assessments and service breach you know uh, analysis and planning but making sure that you're going through all your compliance, you're going through everything, you're making sure everything's up to date. So if anything does happen, you're covered internally, or if you have transference of insurance, you're covered as well. Uh, yeah, it, it, exactly. And I think you brought up a really interesting point there again about that piece there where the, you know, ultimately the, the main decision makers are under a false impression or they're under, um, you know, they're, they're just making assumptions, you know, and, and again, I think that's the most dangerous piece there right. is that at the end of the day, there's so many, you know, the main stakeholders, the main decision makers uh, are making decisions based on incomplete or inaccurate information. Right. Um, so that, that's why it's so important, like, like I said, from just an education or information perspective, that people like you and I and, and other security practitioners, that we do our best to really get our message out, not just to other security people, but to uh, non-technical business people who at the end of the day are, are those who are um, in greatest need of this type of uh, information. Right. And that's, I mean, that's why something I'm sure you do is the tabletop exercises or, you know, you kind of go through, okay, your email server's down. Now what? What do you guys do? Walk me through it. You know, this has happened. You've been breached. Ransomware now got in your system. What do you guys do? And then watch the process as it goes through and see where the gaps are. 
well, who do you call? You know, who do you respond to? Yeah. What's that? What's yeah. the downtime? What's your SLA? Like, what's all that? And they see them kind of go, you know, the ones that are not prepared, a lot of them are, but you know, the companies are not kind of go, you can see their hands go in there and go, oh my God, like, yeah, we never figured it would do all this. And then ha having that tabletop exercise to be able to go through that so that they're, you know, planning for, an, you know, an outage, planning for all that. And when it does happen, everything's in, in line, everything's in place. So I think it's very important when you're doing things like that, that, you know, these, these companies have these tabletop, like have experts like yourself, but also have tabletop exercise to go through the whole scenario, you know, start to finish. It, 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 exactly. You know, and, and the, um, you know, you bring up a really, really good point there um, again about the tabletop exercises uh, and being able to walk through those, um, you know, the, it's fine when when we engage with with, with, with some uh, organizations and you know, we ask them, you know going through our process and one of the things we'll, we'll look at is sort of it's security instant response and some will say oh yeah, yeah we we have a plan for that and you know you look at it and again it's like a two page document I was like okay you know this this is good you know so, sort of good um, uh, who knows about this and say like, well no one this is just we just pull this out if if we need it I was like okay this right. this is like your CEO know what to do like if you guys got hit by a data breach like is there a, plan in place, you know, like who he's going to talk to, the communication plan, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 what have you. Yeah. No, no, we've actually, we've actually never thought about that. And, you know, th there's still that notion that uh, what I refer to as sort of like policy or process shelfware. There's no shortage of organizations that will create policies or create processes and will literally just, you know, digitally file it somewhere. Right. It exists in a folder. Sure. It meets the checkbox compliance. But if no one's bought into it, if no, it hasn't been communicated, if you're not testing it in the case like of an instant response and doing a tabletop like, like you laid out there, Brandon, what's the bloody point? Right. <laughs> like, well, it's, I, it's, it's useless. Well, I had a scenario where they actually did went through it and the person was no longer with the company. <laughs> They went, <laughs> they went to call. And yeah, I would see that one. <laughs> and they're going, uh, yeah, they're no longer here. Well, how long have they been? Yeah. Well, probably about a year because we haven't ran or gone through it in at least a year. We haven't updated yeah. this. It's like, that's why these things, you need someone in, in place to be able to say what's going on. And there's changes in employment, changes in your incident management or your senior management. Yeah. That needs to be updated constantly because when a breach or something does happen, it has to be up to date so you can respond. Because if you're calling John Doe, who's now worked for another company, yeah. well, guess yeah. what? He's not going to help you. <laughs> it, it's, and I think it's that, that balance point. Cause we hear a lot from, from, People, I say, well, we don't want to. We don't want to spend all this time, you know, documenting to the nth degree what our plan will be. And I'm like, that, that's fine. You, you, you don't. It's, it's a plan. You know, it, it doesn't mean that you actually have to follow it to the letter of the T, uh, to the, you know, to the letter of the law kind of thing. Right. Um, but you, 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 you need to at least give yourself the proper guardrails in which to operate in the event of an incident. Right. Yes, there's going to be some, some fluidity. Yes, there's going to be some deviations from the plan. But without those guardrails, uh, you're definitely going to miss things and you're definitely going to screw things up. Right. You know, this gives you your bet, you know, having it and testing it regularly gives you your best likelihood of getting to be able to get through any incident with, you know, uh, relatively unscathed. Right. You know, that's, that's the whole point of it. For sure. And it totally makes sense. So like anyone that's listening to this, like, Go through your tabletop exercise, go through your instant response, especially now we're going to be kind of going into, I'm going to ask Dominic about the COVID-19, but because of this pandemic, the increase of attacks, the increase of breaches, all that, if you're not going through this right now, take the time and go through it, 
and just check, you know, all the, you know, cross, like you say, cross your T's, dot your I's, making sure everything's in place because more attacks are happening. So Dom, I really want to ask you, like, so we talked about kind of, you know, the breach response and, and going through that, you know, and then that the compromise is increasing. What are you seeing since the COVID-19 pandemic started to go? Yeah, there, there's, there's, I'd say probably three main areas. Um, I'm holding up three fingers, right? Yeah, yeah. three areas. <laughs> these three. Uh, uh, yeah, I felt like I was holding up four there for a second. No, those these three areas. Uh, so uh, there, there's, there, there, again, it does vary depending on the organization, but at least primarily what I'm seeing with small and organizations. Uh, one is that the awareness gap or the people factor um, in terms of how security uh, conscious or aware people are within, within most small mid-sized organizations, that gap is is going to get bigger. Uh, there's still a large faction of small mid-sized organizations that struggle when it comes to security awareness. You know, they may, so, so let me ask you about they, that, Dominic. They do nothing. Yeah. It, you're saying is going to give or is bigger right now? It, it's it's bigger right now because so many people are working from home. Right. Uh, and what we're seeing is there's a huge increase in phishing. Uh, 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 scams and phishing attempts, uh, you know, related to COVID rebates or COVID refunds or you know, get your COVID money here, that type of thing. And people are tired, they're mentally stressed, they're distracted, uh, and we're seeing phishing su- uh, su- uh, success rates going up through the roof. Right. Uh, and again, that's that. What we're seeing is that that gap of the fact that there's still so many organizations, small business organizations, that struggle with doing security awareness at this sort of time period right now. We're going to even see that gap get even wider right. uh, in this time period. So I think it's super important for smaller and mid-sized organizations to start deploying uh, security awareness measures, security awareness platforms. Right. Take the time to uh, get your staff. Uh, even just a little little bit of awareness can go a long way. So let's talk about that because I think that's important because I agree with you. The, the attack service has just expanded, right? Because like you said, people are at home. Potentially, they're you know they're using a work laptop or a work PC that they've been given. But if not, they're potentially using a home PC, a home laptop, a home tablet, a home smartphone, like something that's off the network, hasn't been secured, not you know whitelisted with applications, uh, a proprietary operating system that's been hardened. So you kind of look at all those things that corporations do in house, and now you've just taken all that security and wiped it out. Going. You got to work from home. We don't have the the resources available. Can you use your own home PC? And then now the security issues are those ones. Those PCs might not be up to date or patched properly. They might yeah. not have endpoint protection or antivirus, yeah. or it might not be up to date. Yeah. You've got yeah. multiple people on those systems: mom, dad, yeah. you know, kids. Kids are doing school. You know, they might be downloading things that you know, and, you know. We're on Zoom right now, but you know, you look at Zoom and all the challenges they've gone through and they do video conferencing. So all of this stuff is now on the home PC, which the company has lost control of managing that now makes, like you said, that attack surface just so much bigger now that, like you said, phishing attacks, malware are now just on the, the rise. Absolutely. And, and, and that's the, uh, um, that's the uh, sort of the, the third one. <laughs> was, was, so we, we, we crossed two off there, off that list in, in, in that uh, combo there. Um, you know, the, like you said, there, the, and just to add quick, uh, quickly to that, sort of that BYOD, bring your own device problem, uh, that yep. sort of, again, has, has very much come to the, uh, to, to the surface now. And many of the larger organizations have, have already d- dealt with that problem, uh, where it was, where that problem is now 
coming to, to, to service is with the smaller organizations, uh, primarily those that don't have enough resources, like you're saying there, to give out organizational laptops. Um, uh, so, you know, and those smaller organizations didn't have to tackle the BYOD problem. Right. Now they do, you know, so that, that's very much a clear and present uh, um, sort of threat that, that, that's, uh, that they need to deal with. And uh, the second one, just to finish yeah. off the, uh, uh, the trilogy, yeah. is uh, around remote access. Right. Many of these smaller mid-sized organizations uh, didn't have robust um, uh, remote access capabilities deployed sort of pre-COVID. Right. Over the course of a few days, they just try to you know, throw out whatever worked. You know, many of them just just uh, set up, go to my PC or what have you, as, as quickly as possible, just to, again to try it and allow work to continue. Right. Um, uh, so now that we've entered at least somewhat of a period of stability, where it looks like we're going to be working from home for uh, for at least a, a, a bit more, if if not longer, uh, how making sure that organizations understand that if there's some calmness right now, use the time to assess the security measures. Um, uh, of those remote access platforms or mechanisms. Most small and mid-sized businesses, when they rolled it out, they were just focused on functionality. Literally, security was the last thing on their mind. They're like, is it working? Can we all work from home? Good, great. Um, let's take a step back. You know, Those temporary solutions, was, that's okay. But let's try and make them a bit more of a permanent solution by making sure that the security measures are appropriate. Right, and I think one thing to add to that, uh, companies need to actually look at how to provide a security white paper for their staff on how to secure their modems, how to secure their yes. own home network, kind of those things as well with VPN, all that great stuff, because even their home networks, right? And we know Internet of Things, right? We, we've we all heard the stories about, uh, you know, the baby cams and all that being compromised, you know. Mm -hmm. Those are on their home network now that now are access points, which now could get them into their home, their business network, because now people are working from home. So something to kind of think about, like companies need to either one, draw, like write up a white paper or talk to someone like yourself or companies like myself about white papers on how do we secure our clients and our employees when they're remote now, be it subcontractors, contractors, you know, vendors, whatever that may be, so that everyone's secure across the board and there's a policy in place. And I think that's a key point to add on to that is because I see a lot of people, like you said, we're secure. Okay. But did you look at all assets? Did you do a 365 degree on, you know, what's going on? The other thing that I'm seeing is data uh, problem with now data being uh, at rest on the local systems or on local hard drives, right? So their yeah. policy before used to be, you know, it only could be on the server and then the network. And then what happens, you connect with your work PC and you get into a shared drive and it's secure, it's encrypted, it's backed up. Well, now people go, well, I need to work. I need to have access to it. So they're downloading it now to their local device or a local hard drive or a flash drive, USB drive, whatever that may be. And they're storing it there. Well, that might be confidential information. It might be stuff that the company doesn't want to get out. And now it's there. Absolutely. Now it's on these local little networks and local PCs. Yep. So another security issue that you know we're talking more and more about companies with. Uh, Absolutely. And I the other thing we'll, I was, we'll make it the top four then. Top four. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna add one more. I'm gonna add top okay, top five. <laughs> so this week I actually uh, got a report on a dark a dark web uh, search for a couple of companies, and they were just kind of showing the increase of uh, privileged accounts that were that were compromised. I was so surprised when you look at, you know, and we all heard the breaches of like LinkedIn, uh, MyFitPal, like all those ones, 2019. And then all of a sudden I saw this, this hockey stick of 2000, 
20 around February of now privilege accounts being compromised. And it, was, it and it wasn't the point where he was like one or two. It was like reading the ports. It's a hundred for this company, a hundred for that company of different accounts and, you know, different people. It could be the HR person, the financial person and the IT guys, or even some of the C-suite people I was seeing that were compromised because they were using things at home that might have malware. And now the account was out. And now it's on the dark web where, as you know, if a hacker wants to go and do a search, he potentially can do like a deep dive in a profile search on a company and now have account information. Yep. So, yep. no, and, and it's, 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 it's interesting that, that you mentioned, you mentioned um, sort of privileged account uh, uh, management there. That is uh, even pre pre COVID uh, that was still a significant, a significant gap for many uh, and, I would say that's uh, for most uh, small mid-sized uh, organizations that we engage with. That's that's generally, I want to say, probably ninety-nine percent of the time, one of the most significant problems is that privileged account uh, management um, isn't there. You know, there's more administrator accounts than than, than they know about. Right. Um, you know, and uh, you're at the end of the day, you're playing with uh, with God access there, and if you you're not able to to to, uh, to know where that is or who has access to what uh, from an administrator point of view. Um, it's basically, you know, if everyone has a key to the kingdom, then, um, you know, you're, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get hurt pretty bad at some point. For sure. And then that's something that, you know, we were, I'm all hearing about was, you know, privilege access management as the acronym is PAM, identity access yeah. management, right? I am, which now people are talking about two factor authentication and doing all those great things. And then mm-hmm. I think the, the increase of two factor authentication was true passwordless decentralized authentication, which is a mouthful. But at least they were talking about like these next levels of doing that. But now you look at, like you said, people working from home. Do they have that set up? Do they have two-factor authentication set up for their laptop, their PC, their devices, the applications, all that? And is it something, like you said, is it the company just kind of like, doesn't matter? Are you up? Can you get in? Can you get your access to your email? Can you get access to your documents? Can you make it to the meetings? Can Can we get our clients going? Okay, we're good. But then, like you said, we got to take a step back and look at all these aspects of security. Absolutely, you know, like I said, now that we're all somewhat comfortably working from home, use this as an opportunity to make sure that you know you're not opening yourself up to needless risk over an extended period of time. Right. So now, what are you talking like? So this week that just passed by. What are you talking to your clients about specifically? What are you kind of recommending, advising them to start to look at through this COVID-19 now? And I mean, we're looking maybe potentially even the next six months. Yeah, you know, the, the um, you know, I would say it's very much a continuation of sort of those, 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 talk, those five talking points uh, that, that, yeah. that we were talking about there. You know, it, it's very much about using the opportunity um, to A, make sure that whatever sort of problems have been flung to the forefront now are addressed you know, and, and you know, the, the five that uh, you and I laid out there, um, I would say are very much central to that, but also to also use it as an opportunity to um, bring up to speed sort of policies and processes. You know, there, there, there is some somewhat of more downtime uh, to a degree uh, for, for uh, some IT people and security people uh, and for some of these organizations. Uh, so if there's the opportunity to use this to further along the opportunity to update and modernize the policies, um, let's do that. Right. Um, you know, uh, you know the, the, it's, it's important to um, not take a step back on security dur- during this time. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, we've been telling 
our clients um, and, and prospects as well that even if you're going into, you know, quote unquote, survival mode, that's okay. But you need to make sure that cybersecurity is part of survival mode. Right. Uh, you know, we're, we're still hearing that from uh, organizations that categorize as prospects that they saying that they're saying we'll deal with cybersecurity when things get better. Right. You know, uh, I was like, well, that's like saying I'm going to buy a car, but put the wheels on it after, right. you know, uh, you know, you, 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 <laughs> uh, we're all, you, every company pretty much is a digital company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I jokingly say, unless you're selling talk tacos on the back of your Volvo, uh, you're, you're dealing with data. You're dealing with, uh, uh um, uh, various, uh, um, confidential levels of, of information you're dealing with computer systems you're dealing with an online digital environment cybersecurity is part of survival mode right uh even if it's just doing the basics even if it's just doing cyber hygiene make sure that you keep doing the basics and doing them well during this time period don't just say we're going to pause security and deal with it later right um you, you won't get to later if you if you take that approach well i think one thing i want to add to that and you're making like you're, you're bringing up a really great point is that you know you want to make sure that the foundation of your business is protected while you're growing it because if it gets compromised right now and this is kind of the areas that we kind of both play into some companies it actually would be so devastating if they got a ransomware attack right now it could potentially actually bankrupt their business and take them right out right it's not the point where and it's not trying to scare any business and say oh my god you know and and you know put the fear of god in them but it's just the reality of some business right now are kind of li- living on a shoestring budget they've cut down their costs they're really trying yeah. to make it through it and now if they get taken right out ransomware locks down their systems their clients now stop purchasing from them and then now they they're you know a week to two weeks maybe even a month trying to recover that could actually take them out of business completely in this you know pandemic situation that we're going through absolutely it's it's even more so an existential threat uh uh dealing with uh dealing with it at, at this time um that it's super apparent uh, and i tell organizations this that uh, if you're going to be dealing with cybersecurity at any other point, now is the time. It's very much an existential threat because um, I like to say, you know, that well, all these small mid-sized organizations, ourselves included, we're being stretched in, we're in survival mode. That that's okay, um, but you need to realize as well that from an attack, you know, if you think about a cyber attacker or cyber criminal, we're all wounded animals. We're they smell blood in the water. You know, <laughs> when a shark smells blood in the water, they go after the, the the kill shot. So it's it's important for organizations to understand again, not from a fear based perspective, just even again, just from a this is how cyber crime works perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, if you get if you're barely surviving right now and you experience a data breach or privacy breach, that's pretty much a kill shot at this point. Right. And that's why it's good, like you said, like what you're doing is you're giving kind of pro bono consultations, sitting down with companies. We're doing the same thing right now. And it's interesting that we're calling and just reaching out and just telling me, like, we're here. What what do you need? Like, we're providing support just because I think it's right now. It's not about profit. It's not about, you know, the business, our businesses, and our companies. It's really about helping other companies sustain and be able to be protected through this pandemic long term. Three months, six months, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, it's shorter than that, but it could even be up to a year, right? That they're secure as they're, you know, maintaining or yeah. growing and some industries are growing right now, yeah. right? And they're protected through this because those are the ones that are going to get attacked eventually if those security systems are not in place or they're not managing them properly. 
Yeah, no, no, and that's so well said, Brandon. You know, it, 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 it's like I said, you know, just because you're going through this time, uh, again, that's understandable. Again, security is something which is meant to be um, malleable. Right. You know, you do what you can, but um, given, given the situation and given the risk, right. do what you can. But you can't just blindly say we'll deal with it later. You know, that's that's not how you how you deal with. Cyber risk. So I think it's important, uh, like you're saying there, that organizations take the time to understand sort of what what can we spend, what can we do better, how can we make sure that we're just uh, at the end of the day not low hanging fruit when it comes to uh, cyber risk. Let's make sure that again, uh, and I know I keep saying this, but I'm a firm believer in it. Do the basics and do them well. If there's any cybersecurity piece you're going to focus on, just try and identify those basics and do them well during this uh, time. And I think one thing I, uh, both of us understand is talk to someone like that's an expert like yourself. And then so they can give forecasting and, and cost analysis as well. Because again, there's some things that are essential services or essential technology, so essential systems that you need to have up and going and they need to be secure. And there's other things like, and I'm just going to use marketing on the, on this standpoint where maybe you don't need to run that campaign. Maybe that has to wait, yep. right? And yep. there's essential yep. service. Yep. And you need have someone to come in an outside perspective and help you do a cost analysis and forecasting. And t like kind of give you, you know, even if just bounce ideas off of just to say, this is essential, this is important, this is what you need mm -hmm. to secure, and this is how you're going to secure it, will give you a better plan to sustain through this pandemic. Uh, it, it, exactly. You know, and and, and, and that, that's the piece there in which, um, again, view this, you know, view cybersecurity, view cyber risk and as part of uh, when you're evaluating everything, you know, make sure that that's part of that discussion. You know, it, it, it's... I think trying to overcome that that misperception um, or myth that you know cybersecurity that must you know that must that must mean an IT expenditure we'll, we'll deal with that later you know it's not an IT expenditure it's not a some sort of asset it's not a piece of hardware you know uh, it, at the end of the day it's still about risk management you don't delay risk management right. um, so I, I think that's an important thing for for pe uh, people and, and uh, to, to understand especially within the small and a business area right it's business like risk management also business continuity it's making sure that your business yes. can stay up right that's absolutely the, that's the biggest concern right now with a lot of people going through is how do we stay up how do we maintain our business through this and of course they're looking at clients and supply chains and inventory and you know making sure they could pay for their staffs and all that but again it's making sure it's up and secure uh i think and, what, and that's I, such a good point that's such a good point about the business continuity right totally agree and then my last question is any recommendations for people going forward anything that you're like you know what Here's something I would recommend off the top just to start doing today to look at and maybe, you know, things that they should look at kind of in the next three months, six months. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, one of the things I, I, I tell people, especially in the small, small mid-sized businesses, is if you're leveraging, you know, G Suite for business, if you're leveraging Office 365, turn on multi-factor authentication. Okay. There's still so many organizations that are not doing that. MFA is one of the most cost-effective, most uh, uh, risk reduction things that any company can do right now. Right. now. If you're going to do, again, if you're going to do anything, if you're just going to pick one thing, make sure you at least damn do multi-factor authentication right across the board. Um, that is super, super important for, especially for those external facing systems like, like your email, and especially with a lot of small mid-sized organizations, they're either on Business G Suite or Office 365. Right. Um, that that is super important. So short term, at least do that. Um, towards the the mid to long term piece, like you were saying there, um, I think a lot of what we were talking about earlier. Again, we don't know how long this remote 
is sort of the sustained work from home piece is going to be. You know, uh, at least in the sort of the short to midterm, uh, let's make sure that whatever um, remote access capabilities you have in place are robust, that they meet security best best uh, practices, and that you're not just using go to my PC. <laughs> Got it. Uh, you know, not to th not to throw them under the bus, but that is it. That's something for our personal usage. That does not that should not be in an organization. Um, that just introduces way way too much risk, and there's no central visibility over it. Right. Uh, from a from a longer term perspective, you know, maybe after we get out of out of COVID uh, here, um, if you haven't already, take the time to uh, measure or do a, what I refer to as a maturity assessment of your cybersecurity program. Right. What areas are doing are you doing well in? What areas are you doing okay in? What areas are you really sucking in? That's going to help you from a budgetary perspective, and again, even from a risk management perspective, in which Let's not worry about the areas you're doing well in. You know, let's, uh, if nothing else, it allows you to identify the areas where you can be more strategic uh, and more effective with those hard-earned dollars. Because right. uh, I would rather you spend money on areas where you're where you're struggling rather than spending more money in areas where you're already doing okay. Right? Right. That's how you do effective risk management. So that's something which I would say, uh, from sort of a mid to long term, uh, that's an important thing to to put into play. And I think one thing I'll add to that is just because the landscape and the technology and everything's going to change to have that maturity program or at least that exercise is going to be yeah. so essential because the way businesses are going to be practicing and, and, and running after this pandemic is going to be completely different from when they started. Yes. Right. Yes. So that, that, that is so true. So true. So you have to go through this exercise just to kind of understand your maturity, your landscape, your technologies, your solutions, because it might change in the business you know, mindset is, you know what, maybe 30% of our workforce doesn't need to be in, in the office. You know, mm -hmm. maybe they need mm -hmm. to work from home and it, that will save us on yeah. overhead of hydro, electricity, you know, office yeah. space. I know I watched Robert Herchevik. He was talking about that he's going to have more hoteling offices. That now there's not yep. going to be as many designated, you know, offices in his, you know, in his in his, in his place as workplace because now yep. he saw how efficient people could be from working from home. Yep, exactly. No, it's going to be really interesting to sort of see what that new normal is, and like you're saying there, you know, let, let's make sure that you at least have a baseline understanding of sort of where you are and how you can gain those efficiencies um, um, once we start establishing that new normal. Awesome. What's the best way to get a hold of you, Dominic? Uh, for people to get a hold of me, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to say just follow me on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn, Dominic Vogel. Just uh, uh, search for that, or go to our website, cyber.sc. Uh, uh, that, that's always a, a great to, to, to follow from that, from that perspective. Um, I'm going to have lunch now. Um, <laughs> and uh, 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 um, uh, LinkedIn email is just dvogel at cyber.sc, and also Twitter uh, at Dom Vogel. Um, so for any of your, your listeners, any of your viewers, uh, please have them uh, reach out. I always enjoy chatting with people. Uh, there and I, I love it when people reach out. Yeah, and I know uh, I'm going to put in the description below, I'm going to put your website and the, your contact information below. So if anyone is actually watching this podcast and wants to reach out to Dominic and just had some questions about virtual CISO and just kind of the conversation we have, uh, you can reach out be uh, below and just uh, give him, shoot him an email, shoot him a tweet, whatever that may be. Uh, he's very happy to kind of co uh, connect with you and just help through this pandemic and even after just to help you know provide you any solutions or technology that you might need. So thank you so much, Dominic. Thank you, Brandon. Always a pleasure, my friend. 
Awesome. So guys, just remember, there's a lot going on through this pandemic. Make sure you, you know, you stay healthy, you protect your family members, you know, we look at social distancing. And if you're a business owner, there's a lot of help out there for you. A lot of different uh, resources, uh, as well as, you know, consulting technologies, things like that, as well, government programs. So reach out to Dominic or someone like myself, and just ask questions. A lot of us are doing this pro bono right now and just really helping out because we're being more corporate citizens versus, you know, business owners and we're really helping out. So just remember, we're here to help. We're here to kind of give you as much support to make sure that your business is protected while we're going through this. So I just want to remind you, don't forget, software is hackable, being connected is vulnerable. I'll see you next Daily Cyber. Thank you.